So, yeah, you got the youth pastor today. He brought props, all right? That's what you're thinking. All right, that's common. That's okay. So we're going to go on a journey today, all right? We are going to journey a bit. I love to backpack. I love hiking. This is a pack for a good day trip, all right? This isn't going to get it done for a very long uh, three-day trip. You need a bigger pack than this. But this is good for a day or two, having a base camp, coming back. I've been blessed to be on the Appalachian Trail quite a bit. Um, when I see something like that, personally, I get excited because um, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get after it. Uh, but you see, it's the ultimate fork in a road, right? Which way do we go? And so if you're going to go hiking, you need to have a map. And sometimes it's really smart to actually have a guide. It's really smart sometimes to have somebody that can lead you uh, to the w- where you need to go. And so if I take my pack, I need to make sure I got plenty of water, I got food source, um, maybe even something to help me shelter down. Uh, but it's important, ultimately, when you hit a trail, uh, you know, for me personally, I love getting to these big overviews because you can just, you hike, it's hard, but then you get up on a rock face and you can just sit and you're in awe of God's wonder and creation. Uh, it's really incredible and it's a lot of fun. So if I'm going to pick a trail, I want to find a trail that has the most overviews that I can enjoy. I don't want to just walk uh, up and down hills through woods where I can't see anything. I mean, that is fun. I like that too. But I want to see the views. I want to see the sights. Um, so it's really important uh, that you know where you're going. And for our journey in life, it's really important we know where we're going. And the word of God is our instruction. And the word of God tells us the way to live, how to live, and he actually shows us what the end of the days look like, what eternity looks like. It's all found in God's word. And we really need to be challenged for believers. We'll start with believers first. God's really asking us to do something on a daily basis. He's really asking us to be in his word, to, de- to delight in and meditate on God's word. We need to be willing to delight in and meditate on God's word. And we're going to break that down. We're going to figure that out. But we have all the answers we need. For, the, for you in here that might be an unbeliever, I just want to encourage you and let you understand that God is very near, believe it or not. And, and life without Christ, just to be honest, isn't much of a life. Um, I understand a bit of it. I lived that a little bit. And as life in Christ, there's fulfillment. Acts, in the book of Acts, um, there's an incredible passage, 17, 26 through 27. If you read that, it actually tells you God is really near. And he says, actually, reach out your hand, and you're going to find that he's right there. So for you as an unbeliever, I just want to encourage you today as we walk through Scripture, God is he's not far away. He's actually right here. And for us as believers, we need to be challenged that we don't walk down the wrong path. And unbelievers, we want to help you get to the right path today. So let's go to Psalm chapter 1. Oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Sean. I forget this really quick. Um, this church, Old North Church has put up with me for 12 years. Um, they, you deserve a reward for that in itself. Um, and I work with our students here. I oversee our student ministry, and I work really hands-on with middle school students. Um, when you, if, if you think about that path, I love walking students and guiding students to the right path. That's what just gives me complete joy, is to help students know Jesus and navigate down the right path. That's, I, it doesn't get better, better than that for me. But we're going to go to uh, Psalms chapter 1. Uh, we're gonna, so in your pew Bibles, um, it's page 448. 
And just a reminder, if you don't have a Bible, take one. Take one of these. This is a gift to you. Um, Because the word of God, we need to be in it every day. So Psalms chapter 1, we're going to walk. There's six verses here. Uh, In the book of Psalms, it's normally written in stanzas. So when you look at this, Psalms 1 through 6, you see verses 1 and 2, there's a pause. Verses 3 and 4, there's a pause. Um, These are typically called stanzas. Um, They're just breaks uh, in the text. But there's meaning in there. And so it's really important that you really walk through this slowly and see what's going on here. Um, And as we walk through these verses, these three stanzas, you're going to see two lifestyles. You're going to see the result of two lifestyles, and then you're going to see the outcome of two lifestyles. So if I begin on a journey, it's really important to know the outcome. Um, As I take middle school students to camp, uh, there's a trail there that we walk on. Within the first three minutes, do you think they follow me? No, they are, they are gone. About five minutes, ten minutes. Pastor Sean, where are we at? I said, well, come on, I'll show you where to go. And then they, what do they do? They fly by again. And then it's about the third time, like, uh, we'll follow you now. I'm like, all right, that's a good choice. And so God's word is our ultimate guide. If we're not in it, we're going to run ahead of him. We're going to run in our selfishness. We're going to do our things. And that's when we get into trouble. So here we go. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so we see very simply here, we have the way of the righteousness and the way of the wicked. And before we get into this, the only way that any of us are considered righteous is through the love and through the grace and the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we put our faith in Christ, as Romans talks about, uh, Romans uh, in the chapter 10, 9, uh, it's the, the beautiful reality that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, that we have faith in him. As we walk in that journey and we realize that we're all sinners, we're all born into sin, and we need a savior, and we ask Christ to be our Lord and savior, God now looks at us as his sons and daughters, his righteous. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? We don't deserve that, but that's God's love and his grace displayed for us, and it's, it's incredible to think about. So, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So what we begin to see here, blessed is the person that doesn't walk in sin. Blessed are those who don't walk in that sin. So as I have faith in Christ, and now I follow Jesus, because the truth and the reality is, as we walk in sin, for an unbeliever and for a believer, sin is disobedience towards God. Sin is lying, it's gossiping. It's become addicted to drugs, to alcohol. It's, there's a lot of things that sin is. And ultimately, it's disobedience towards God. Because God sets up 
these statues, these instructions for us. They're boundaries. They keep us on his path because he knows what's best for us. We think we do, but that gets us in trouble. But the path of righteousness, they don't sit or walk in the way of sinners because in Christ is ultimate life. Because sin takes away our joy, takes away our peace. It brings pressure. It brings weight. It brings a life of hopelessness. And it will even get you to the place where you're like, what's the point of this anyways? Why am I even here? And see, God has incredible purpose for all of us. The way of the righteous walks not in the way of sinners. And now we see also the progression, the progression of sinners, right? We see the sin starts with what? I'm going to walk. We're just going to check this out. I'm just going to walk over here and, and walk in the way of sinners. This isn't bad. I did my Sunday morning thing, checklist for the week. Now I'm just going to, all right, it's okay. No one's watching. I can get away with this a little bit. We're fine. And then it leads into standing with the sinners. Standing. And now all of a sudden you're getting pulled in deeper and deeper. Isn't that how sin works, right? At first, let's face it, it looks fun. And sometimes sin is fun. But the problem with sin is it'll, it'll put a grip on you and it'll snuff the life out of you. The consequences of sin is death. Not just spiritual, but physical. And that's what sin will do to us. And then it gets you to the point where you actually sit in the seat of scoffers. You now embrace your sin, you own your sin, you sit in it, and now you scoff. And now you're the one that might have been the that loved coming to church, but now sin has taken you down the path, or now you're the person saying, ah, we don't need church. We don't need that. So we can see this as a way of the unrighteous for someone who doesn't know God can walk this path, but for us as believers, we can begin down this trail, and this is what's scary. We can love Jesus, but then we can get caught up in sin and keep walking down this path. But the beautiful thing for us as believers when we ask for forgiveness, God comes to renew the day and make things new. That, re- that idea of forgiveness and repentance turning back from is really, really important for us. And so let's hear how we can stay away from sin in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And I'm going to challenge us today. The challenge today, the question today is, is delighting and meditating on God's word enough? Is it really enough? We live in a day and age where we're all running really hard and really fast. We're all chasing pursuits and business, careers at home, our neighborhoods, in the schools, Everywhere we go, we are running, we are chasing, we are pursuing, and we really got to watch this. Because at the end of the day, we are called to, de- to delight in his law and meditate on it day and night. This is a source of true joy. This is a source of true success. This is a source of true contentment. It's right here. And if we're really honest, the enemy distracts us and gets us so busy we're barely here. We're barely here. Anytime I start dealing with a student or a family that's starting to walk into some troubles, some hard times, one question that comes out, hey, so where are you guys at in the Word? And 100%, ah, uh, not so good. Because we're running too hard. We're spinning too fast. And we're not delighting here. We're not delighting in the law and meditating on the Word. So delight, it's really fun as I look this up. 
uh, pretty amazing what, what it means. This was a definition that I kept finding. To please someone greatly. To please someone greatly. So it's joy, it's peace, it, it's, it's having fun a little bit, right? But isn't it amazing it says to please? So as I open up my word and I study God's word, who wants to please me? God. Isn't this incredible relationship? So if I put my faith in Christ, he makes me now righteous, and now God delights in giving me joy, giving me peace, giving me contentment in Christ alone. Unreal. And so let's face it, here we're in a book of Psalms, right? They didn't have the whole entire Bible that we do, this grace that we have over time through Jesus Christ, the disciples, the the Bible has been living and it's alive and now we have it from front to cover from Genesis to Revelation. Here all they had was a Pentateuch. They had the law. The law also means instruction. So here the author is meditating on God's law because as he's meditating on God's law and instruction, he's focused on God's will and his mind isn't focused on the things of the wickedness. Because his mind's in God. His thoughts are upon God. He's meditating. Meditating is simply just being still. Any of us here struggle with being still? Has that happened much in our lives? For some of us, no. And we need to get to it. So meditating is a practice of being still, being here, reading it. Then as we're driving through our days, walking through our days, it's thinking about God. So as I'm in school, I'm in sports, or I'm in the arts, I'm at home, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm in my workplaces. I need to be in the Word so when I'm in those areas of life, I am meditating on God's Word. So I'm thinking about God's love and His greatness. And when, I, when my mind is there, when I interact and I meet people, all of a sudden I'm thinking differently, aren't I? I'm not, let's face it, Monday morning. Which student here is excited about Monday morning? right now. Who isn't here excited about it? Starts off the work week. All right, right? Yeah. Mom's in here. Oh, I got to get everybody up early in the morning, right? Like, here we go. Some of us aren't too excited about Monday morning. But if we're here and we meditate on God's word, it changes our perspective greatly. It prevents us from walking down that path of unrighteousness. So let's move into verses three and four. So we, we see these two paths, the way of righteousness, the way of wickedness. We see this lifestyle, and we've got to make a choice which lifestyle we're going to walk. All right, this picture, I would love to be there right now. To my mind, that's about 75 degrees, chilling out. That would be great. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So now we see the outcomes of the two lifestyles of wickedness and righteous. The lifestyle of the righteous, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water. He's planted in. He's dug in. His roots are well fed. His roots are going down. They're growing. They're becoming stronger. They're being nourished. We, the way for us to be nourished is right here. Again, is delighting in the word and meditating on the word enough. Because as we do that, we grow deep, we grow strong. And it yields its fruit in its season. I love how this is said here. 
You know, I should have done a little bit more research on this, but as I was reading over this again yesterday, it's just really interesting that it yields its fruit in its season. And I really think as we put our faith in Christ and God calls us his righteous and his sons and daughters, I really think we're in its season. I think that's what it's talking about. As we begin this journey in Christ that we are in its season. We are in season. And when we're in its season, what are we called to do? What's going on here? And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Some of you are tired, you're wore out, you feel like you're fading away, you're withering away. That's not what God wants for us. God wants us to be planted in. If we're planted in, and if we're delighting in and meditating on God's word, he tells us we're not going to wither, we're not going to fade away. He actually says whatever we do prospers. That's pretty incredible to think about. So let's, let's define prosper. Let's define success. See, true prospering and success isn't in how much money you have or how big your houses are or the next great vacation or the cars, the toys, the gadgets. And if you're a person that doesn't have those things, I grew up not having. And always in my mind, if I could have this, if I could have that, maybe if I could, see, no matter where we are, the world creeps in on our mind and we start, if I could just have this, it'll be better. If I can have this, it'll be better. But what's the great lie unfolded of the world? It says, have this, you're better. You'll be content. What happens? You just want something else when you get it, right? You, you got to find something else to fill the void and the gap. The only thing that brings us true contentment is Christ, making us righteous. And then we meditate and read the light in God's word. That's what gives us true success and commitment. There's nothing wrong with you being successful in the worldly standard, the definition of it, as long as we are, have a moral compass for Christ and as long as we are delighting in and meditating in God's word because in that success, now people are around you having success in school or on the sports fields or wherever it is, in the arts, now people see Jesus in you. Now you're not running so hard just to try to survive Now you're being still with God, and now as you walk into those places, Jesus is being seen in your life. Now you begin to understand that everything that you do prospers because I'm in the workplace, I'm in the home, I'm on the court, I'm on the field, wherever it is, it prospers because now it's Christ that's within me, and it's Christ that's now living out of me, and the only way we can truly live this way is by being in God's word daily, not once a week, daily. This is our big challenge, isn't it? Um, and so verse four, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. It's pretty fun this morning. My daughters are like, dad, what are you doing? I have a tree. It kind of smells, but these weird things fall off of it. I don't even know, like these sticks. Somebody could tell me what this is later. But anyways, this image of chaff, all right, in ancient times, when they brought in the harvest, all right, they bring in the grain, they get ready to work it, and on, I mean, this is not what it is, but it's a good example, but on that grain, there would be leaves, just kind of like this, pretty similar. And so at first, that leaf kind of had purpose, it kind of looked good, just like sin does, right? But it eventually looks like that. And so these leaves, this is pretty interesting, so I'll pull these off. Emma's going to kill me later, but as I rub this, look what happens. 
That's it. And the wind comes, and what's it do with that? It's gone. And so my challenge for us, and I'm in it too as parents that have a bunch of kids. I get it. I'm in it. If we don't as a family or we don't as individuals delight and meditate on God's word, as we're running our kids around all over the place, trying, well, if I get them in this, I get them in this, and I get them in that, this is what your kid's going to look like at the end of it. He's just going to fade out because he was never rooted or planted here. And then all of a sudden, we've got a 25-year-old, and we're going, why did they walk away from God? And I know this is hard. But the truth of it is, adults, kids, students, if we're not here every day, delighting in the word and meditating in the word, we are just like this chaff. It's going to blow away. And for us as believers, we lose our purpose and we lose our value because we're caught up in the rat race of this world. We're caught up in chasing and looking like this world instead of realizing as I go to all these things, Christ needs to be my focal point. Because as I interact with all these people, God will bless me and work through me so that everything I touch will prosper so I can give God the glory. Not so that you can say, look at me and all my accomplishments, but we can look and say, no. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look at my lifestyle in Christ. It's spent in prayer. It's spent in reading God's word and meditating on it. And you will look very different. And God will use you to change many, many people. And there's nothing greater. Just So I want you to understand that in verses 3 and 4 here, we see the difference. We see results of what it is to walk in a way of righteousness and a way of wickedness. The way of righteousness is long-lasting. It's stable. It's fruitful. And it's not going to wither. The way of the wicked is going to wither and become nothing. And so as Christians, we need to guard our heart and our minds. Are we just getting caught up and we're just running and we're forgetting about our first love? We're forgetting about our Savior? It's supposed to be our king that we're supposed to follow. Let's make sure our homes, ourselves, our kids, the things that we interact and be a part of, let's make sure they're not like the chaff that just wastes away. Because at first it looks kind of fun, doesn't it? It sucks you in. And then once you're in, you can't even breathe anymore. But this will not only preserve you, but bring life. And we've got to make a decision. Is this what it's all about? And for you that might be here as an unbeliever, yeah, this is what it's all about. Because God gives love. He gives, joy, he gives peace and he gives joy and he brings a relief from that sin. I can't do anything in my own strength that's gonna bring satisfaction. It might be temporary, but at the end of the day, you're looking for something more. And Jesus is what brings that truth. And so I, I want you to understand as we're gonna come into verses five and six here, pretty soon. Um, I'm not, this is what I love about our staff as pastors. We, we don't just read this because that's what we're supposed to do. We read this and we cherish this and we delight in this because this gives me joy. Uh, we don't just come up here and talk and put programs on just to talk and act like we're smart or educated or this is what it's supposed to be about. No, because this is real. And, and for me as a pastor, my childhood was not a childhood of peace. It was hard. It was difficult. 
My mom was severely mentally ill, and my home was nothing close to peace. Argument, fighting, I never wanted to be home. So as a kid, all the way up to my mom was healed by Jesus, amen. As a ninth grader in high school, my life was pretty rough. It was no peace at all. And then at the end of my eighth grade year, I asked this Jesus to come into my life. And peace began to come. And so some of you know in November, um, we're not, I don't stand up here and tell you that this works and it really doesn't work. No, this works. In November, my sister was in a tragic car accident and lost her life. You know, it's hard, but praise the Lord, she knows Jesus. I know where she's at, amen. She's with my mom who passed before that. That was hard, but they're in Christ. Um, I shouldn't have too much to delight about right now. I shouldn't have too much joy. Oh, but yet I am filled with joy because God's word is in me and I love and I cherish and I delight being in God's word because it gives me life. And, you know, I don't want no pity parties here. I'm not looking for that. And now my dad's looking on his last days of life. He's getting ready to turn 82. Cancer is in and just taking over and he's fading out. And I should have a lot of tears and a lot of sorrow, but I found a secret to life. I delight and I meditate in God's word. And so when we walk this journey for Jesus, he never promises it's going to be easy, but he says he'll walk us through it. He'll give us joy even at times of hard time, of sorrow and pain. He will still give us life. Isn't that incredible? So I'm not up here just saying this is what it says. No, I understand it because I live it just like the rest of us. And here is our true joy. Here is our true life. This is what success is. Because now, at the end of the day, when I put my kids to bed and I pray for them, talk with my wife, because sometimes that's the only time me and my wife gets to talk is when everyone's asleep. Anybody testify to that, right? And we can take a deep breath and talk about what God's doing in the day and talk about uh, why I don't have much hair left because I've pulled it out because of stress. Um, And then I go downstairs and turn out the lights and lock the doors. There are nights that I start to cry and my kids don't know it. My wife sometimes don't realize it because I grew up in a house with not peace. And now because of Jesus Christ, because at eighth grade, I began to read the word of God daily. Yeah, you heard me, daily since eighth grade. Yeah, that's right. I'm not afraid to say it. You can keep me accountable to it. I've delighted in this and I meditate on this. And it's given me life. And now I have a home of peace. That's success. That is what it means to prosper. And now I get to leave a legacy for my kids. Hey, I'm, I'm going to be 40. Guess what? Like some of you are older than me. Like don't even say this. But <laughs> hey, I'm halfway done. Like that's the reality of it. So in my last phase of life, I want to crank it up even more in Jesus because I want people to see Christ and we want to leave a legacy that people understand this is what it's about and we're going to continue to pass it on because if, if the disciples didn't do what they did, we wouldn't be here. They passed it on. I want to keep passing it on and I hope you want to enjoy in that. So let's finish up our last two verses, our final stanza. So again, we've seen the two lifestyles. We've seen the results of two lifestyles. And now we see the outcome of two lifestyles. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If I begin a journey and I have my pack and I'm ready to go, I'm going to make sure my journey ends up somewhere really amazing, that I have an incredible view. And so for us as a believer, right, we want to take, take this path of righteousness. For you in here as an unbeliever, remember, God's not far from you. His love is here. He's here. To begin this journey is that faith in Jesus Christ, and he makes us righteous. Not anything in my own strength or my own wisdom or my own power, but freely in the gift of God that I'm called his son. That's pretty amazing if we think about that. You're called his sons and daughters. And once we have that, now we as the Christian, we need to stick to this path of righteousness. The way to stick to this path of righteousness because the enemy wants to speed us up. The enemy wants to distract us. The enemy wants to get us out of whack. He wants to take our joy away because if we as believers are not delighting in God's word, we don't look very fun for unbelievers, do we? No, we just don't. And they're gonna sit there and say, well, what's the point? What's the point of eternal life with you? You're lame, right? We don't wanna do that. And so as we delight and meditate in God's word, joy, love, peace, contentment, success. All of a sudden, I'm an unbeliever. I call it the lean-in effect. The unbeliever leans in and looks. So I want that. I want that. And so I encourage us, let's be people that are here. But so the wicked, right? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in a judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the righteous is known by God. Not only is it known by God, but he's going to spend eternity with us. Amen. We're going to be in eternal glory with the king of kings. But the way of the wicked, if we had time... Um, I would love to take you to Matthew uh, and see uh, just the reality of how that's going to end for them. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, it talks about the sheep and the goats. The righteous are considered as the sheep, the unrighteous as the goats. And God's going to, the righteous go with him, the unrighteous go in, into eternal punishment. And some of you might say, well, if I'm an unbeliever and I'm a believer in this day and age, because the society in our world tells us that if God is love, then we all get into heaven. If God is love, it all, we all end with God anyways. It's all good. I can choose whatever choice I want to choose. You know, Jesus says he's the only way of the truth, right? And the reason why wickedness is not going to be with the righteous, because you see the wicked are taken away from the righteous. Because... When that final day comes, when it is the great white throne judgment, and when it's ready for a new heaven and a new earth, there is no more wickedness with righteousness, amen? There is pure joy and pure love. And so because God is so love, he's not going to allow people to live their own way that live in wickedness, enter in to eternity with him, because he wants perfection in Christ, the glory of Christ, amen? So that's why unrighteous is not going to walk into righteous. And remember, the only way we're made righteous is through Christ. And so we need to live a lifestyle that never withers, that produces fruit, everything we touch prospers. Why? It's not for the money, it's not for the house, it's not for the promotion, 
it's for God's glory to live in our lives so the unbelievers see the truth of Jesus and they desire Jesus. See, that's what it means to prosper in God. That's what it means not to wither. Because as we are filled with God's love and his joy and we live that out, now we're part of the plan. Isn't that incredible? God makes us righteous. He delights in us. He pours his love in us. And now you and I are part of his plan to save the world, to have eternity with the king of kings. That's your purpose. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? So I just want to encourage us. Last thought. Believers, let this be the focus. Let's meditate in and delight on God's word because it is enough. It's pure peace. It's pure contentment. It's success. This is life. This is what it's about. So I challenge us, Old North, let's do this. Let's get in this word daily and see what God will do in your life because he loves you. And we need to get to the place where Jesus came for the interests of others. We need to get to the place where Jesus live in me today so that I can help others. So I can help others point to Christ. At the end of the day, we need to get to the place where it's not about me anymore. It's about what Jesus can do for others and how Jesus can walk me through so that my home is a place of peace and my life is a place of peace and contentment in Christ alone. That's true success. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your love that we do not deserve because we are all born into sin. But you came. The law became flesh. The word became real. And Jesus, you modeled for us how to live in you and for you to ultimately give glory to the king. So Jesus, strengthen us, prepare our minds and our hearts for this life you want us to live. You never promise it's gonna be easy, but you'll be our guide. You're gonna walk us through it. But for us to understand how you're our guide, we've gotta delight in your word. We've gotta meditate in your word day and night so we don't miss a step, so we don't walk off that cliff. So when we see that stone in our way, we can step over it. So Jesus, keep our eyes on you. Prepare our minds and our hearts and let us meditate on what you've done for us. You paid a price to make me righteous. I don't deserve that, but I am so grateful for it. And so let us meditate on what you've done for us. Prepare our minds and our hearts for action for the King of Kings. We love you, Lord. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.